0: Hello and welcome to our May the twentieth edition of our daily devotionals. So if you remember, our daily devotionals are divided up into two segments. We got our first of the day segment and we have our through the Bible in one year (coughs) segment. So our verse of the day, saint today, finds us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 19, which <coughs> says, Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts; what I desire is that it will be credited to your account. <coughs> I have received full payment, and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent; they are fragrant. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So here Paul is emphasizing the loving care of God the Father for his children, so as you remain faithful to God, and are willing to hear what He has given you to help other, other, to help meet others' needs. God also will meet all your needs, There will be material needs, physical needs, and spiritual needs as you turn them over to Him. So you'll notice that in this context, it is the Philippians' faithfulness to help others that brings God's blessing into their own lives. The fact that God will meet our needs in Christ and Jesus means that only as we remain united with Christ in personal companionship can we experience God's full provision. And the Bible readings that you have to do today so that you can stay caught up with our Through the Bible in One Year segment or 1 Samuel 26-28 John eleven one through fifty four, Psalm one seventeen, and Proverbs fifteen twenty two through twenty three. So that concludes our verse of the day segment for May the nineteenth. Now we're going to move into our through the Bible in one year segment. So we are now into. Day one <coughs> forty of this segment. And so in today's segment of our, 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 our the Bible in a one year segment, we're gonna see the last verse in John chapter seven, which is John seven fifty-three. And then we're gonna go through the beginning of chapter eight, which takes us to John chapter eight, verse eleven. So today we're going to see the famous scene between Jesus and the woman caught in the act of adultery. So, as marginal notes in most modern translations indicate, this passage is absent from many important Greek manuscripts. So, m- <coughs> many of the manuscripts that do include it contain certain scribal notations, indicating doubt about the authenticity of the passage many scholars have understand the story to be an historical event and that is how we are going to deal with it also so with that being said we're going to read through this passage and then we we'll So we're going to read through it once, so that we understand what we are talking about here, talk a little bit about it. Then we're going to go into it, dive into it in a little bit more detail. So here is what it says, starting in John chapter 7, verse 53. And they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, <coughs> This teacher was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus went down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go and leave your life of sin. Go and leave your life of So now let's talk a little bit about this passage, this really, really important passage in John's Gospel. So we see here that the scene suddenly shifts from the confrontation between Nicodemus and the Sanhedrin to an early morning setting in which Jesus addressed a large crowd in the temple precinct. So, what we see here is that Jesus took the normal teaching position of sitting as he spoke. So, without warning, without any warning, without any foreknowledge whatsoever, Jesus knew this was going to happen, but nobody else knew this was going to happen. So, without warning, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought before Jesus a woman caught in the act of adultery. So, let's delve a little deeper into this caught in the act of adultery. So what this means is that, in other words, they drug this woman through the streets of Jerusalem, naked, in order to present, to throw her, to present her before Jesus. So we already said they caught this woman in the very act of adultery, which means they drug her through the streets of Jerusalem, naked. Right. So, how did they catch her in the act of adultery? So, they were, they had to have been lying in wait at wherever she was that she committed this act in order to catch her in it. So, their plans were all along to entrap this woman and then drag her before Jesus. So, what we see here is their duplicity. So, the Old Testament law on which they based their charges <coughs> required both parties to be punished. So what we see is the male partner was conspicuously absent. Furthermore, the Romans did not allow the Jews to hand down the death penalty. So the leaders were using Jesus's Jesus was using the woman the leaders were using the woman as a pawn. Essentially they wanted to play off of Jesus's well known compassion for sinners against the demands of the law. Their strategy appeared to them to be foolproof. So, if Jesus suggested that the woman be treated with mercy, then he would be accused of breaking the law. If he upheld Jewish law and called for her to be stoned, he would, be, he would violate Roman law. So you see where they have Jesus? They have Jesus kind of between this rock and a hard place. (coughs) So, Jesus responded by kneeling down and scribbling something on the ground. What he scribbled on the ground is not important. Not important. What is important is what came after that. So, Jesus (coughs) then challenged those without sin to begin the stoning then kneels down again, and writes on the ground. Then what we see, we see, beginning with the oldest, all the accusers left, when only Jesus and the woman remained. Jesus called on her to make a decisive break with her lifestyle, and his words here were similar to those he had spoken to the lame man. Jesus extended mercy to the woman, at the same time, calling her to account for her sin. So now let's delve into this a little bit deeper. So let's go back, starting in verse 50, uh, chapter 7, verse 50. Go, let's go through verse um, chapter 8, verse 7. So what that says. And they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. <coughs> dawn he appeared again in the temple courts all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus teacher this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So, what do we see here? So, let's talk about this particular section in more detail. So, in an effort to try to trap Jesus, just like we already said, the authorities had actually twisted the law, and had possibly, and very probably staged this That What do we mean by stage? So, they didn't bring the man, which means that the man knew all along that he was going to be caught in this act. The man was a prop. The man was not actually going to Supposed to go through with this act They just wanted to catch this woman Doing it, so they could bring her Before Jesus So they could try to trap Jesus into doing Something that they could say Aha, 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 we caught you Jesus We caught you So the particular Execution They wanted to use here Was used when there was A very specific set of circumstances (coughs) may or may not have applied here. In addition, in addition, this is the key part. The key part, the law would have required the execution of both parties involved in sexual relations outside of their own marriages. Still, this situation presented a real test for Jesus because the Romans didn't even allow the Jews to carry out death sentences. In order for a death sentence to be handed down, I had to go before the Roman court, not a Jewish court. That's very important to see here. This is the whole point of them trying to trap him. If he said, stoner, he upheld the Jewish law, but he violated Roman law. If he said, don't stoner, he upheld Roman law and violated Jewish law. See the problem? Right? So, Yet, Jesus could have been accused of not supporting the Jewish law if he simply dismissed the case. So, Jesus' answer took away the opportunities for the authorities to trap him in his own words, because he still talked about throwing stones. So, he could not be accused of ignoring the law. However, HOWEVER, he actually prevented the authorities from taking action into their own hands. How does he do this? How does he do this? So that's the part that says, what does it say? Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. In other words, he said, any of you who not committed a sin, any of you who have not violated anything of God's law, you throw the first stone at her. You'll be the first one to do it think Jesus could, well, should have been the first one to do it, but Jesus didn't do it. Why? Why did Jesus not do that? <coughs> so we must be careful not to use Jesus' words here to justify the tolerance of sin in the church or to treat lightly the moral failure of those who claim to be followers of Christ. which A lot of people would think this passage would say, (coughs) because to do so means we, too, are rejecting what the Bible, and thus God is saying about sin among God's people. So, what's so important about this, right? So, we do two big things here, right? So, the first thing, see, is the church's conduct and response towards sinners outside the church may have had a little who may have had little chance to respond to God, and his conduct towards those within the church who sin sinned and Thy Christ, are two different situations. Right, so this woman <coughs> was clearly someone who was outside of the church. So Jesus showed some mercy to her. Much more mercy than he showed to the religious leaders, because he came right up and told them, you who ain't sinned, throw that for a stone of threw a stone, but we're going to see that a little bit later, none of them threw a stone, we already read that, none of these people who were supposedly good were religious men, had not ever actually sinned themselves, they had all sinned, so they couldn't cast a stone, so the second thing we see is that God, God's word teaches that one unashamed Sorry, there was a typo in my notes. I do believe. So we know that God's words teaches us. Yeah, God's words teaches that open, unashamed sin committed by those in the church must not be tolerated, but to be confronted and exposed, which is what we see here, right? So. This woman had unforgiven sin and so did (coughs) these religious leaders. So this woman was treated slightly differently. She was offered forgiveness and mercy. The religious leaders were basically told, if you've got no sin in your life, can you continue to condemn this woman? See the difference? See the difference? So now let's pick up in verse 8 which says he again stooped down he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there keep in mind she's still standing there butt naked Jesus straightened up and asked her woman where are they has no one condemned you No sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus' attitude reflects his mercy and his desire to forgive sin and to restore people to a right relationship with God. He does not condemn the woman as if she is unfit for forgiveness, which is what the religious leaders thought. They thought this woman was unfit for forgiveness, because how dare she violate our law. When yet they had done the same thing. They had violated God's law because they had sinned. God doesn't stratify sins. It's not big sin, little sin big punishment, little punishment, all sin is the same punishment. That's eternal separation from God. Unless you have confessed that sin and received the forgiveness of that sin. Right? So, Jesus does not condemn the woman as if she's unfit for forgiveness, but treats her with kindness and patience in order to lead her to repent. Which, by the way, is what the church is supposed to do. The church is not supposed to say, Aha! I caught you! I caught you! It's supposed to say here, I've caught you. I've caught you. I'll help you back up. I won't let you hit rock bottom. I'll show you how to come out of this life of sin that you have been living. What's the key point here, right? What's the key point? If she responds to Jesus' challenge, and what is Jesus' challenge? Jesus' challenge is, go now and leave your life of sin. <coughs> if she responds to Jesus' challenge, she can receive spiritual salvation no matter what she did in her past. Her past does not keep her from having spiritual salvation. Her past is forgiven by God. Oh, she do is say, Yes, I have committed these sins. No, I'm not going to commit these sins anymore. I'm going to commit my life to you, God. I'm going to make you Lord and Master of my life so that you can help me not commit these sins anymore. However, there are two important things you need to understand out of this passage in the heart of John's Gospel. So, the first thing is Jesus is forgiving the sinner not accepting the sin. In this case it was the sin of adultery and the heartbreak it causes for both adults and children. So Jesus forgives the sinner but he doesn't accept the sin. There still may be con- there still will be consequences for your sin. Even though it has been forgiven. Jesus is not condoning the sin, Jesus is forgiving the sin. He's not saying go and continue to live the life that you have lived. Well, you were tearing families apart and tearing the world apart your sin, no, 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 he's saying, what is he saying, go now and leave your life of sin, go and leave it behind, don't go, walk, don't walk back to it, leave it behind, and the second thing is, is that what Jesus offers this woman, or what Jesus offers all sinners, is an opportunity for salvation, and a way out of their spirit, out of their sinful life, but you will only escape, <coughs> excuse you? but you will only escape, God's punishment, if you turn completely from your old ways, and begin to live as a part of God's kingdom, because that's what Jesus' offer was really all about. You see, the Pharisees and religious leaders wanted to kill this woman. They wanted to uphold their high moral standards at the cost of this woman, who clearly had some issues in her life, that they were supposed to be helping her walk through, instead they chose to use her as a pawn, to try and remain in power, and you see it backfired on them, because not only did Jesus tell them the one who is without sin to cast the first stone, but he makes an offer, genuine offer to this woman, who must have accepted, because what else can she do? she's just heard from me man that she's probably heard about that she just told this man no one is here to condemn me and what does this man say that she's heard about this rabbi this danger, who people are saying is the messiah what does he say when she says no one sir he says "Then neither do i condemn you go now and leave your life of sin jesus made a genuine offer to her to turn around, turn her life around, and go and live a better life. Live a life full (coughs) of God, to be a part of God's kingdom. We don't know if she did or not, but I think it's probably safe to presume that she did. And that's the choice that you have. (coughs) So why, even though scholars will argue about whether or not this belongs in John's Gospel, this fits with John's message about Jesus reaching out to the marginalized in society and bringing them back, reaching out to those that the religious establishment had said, we want nothing to do with you. Bad. You don't belong. We don't want you. And Jesus said, Come come on, come on, I want you. I'll offer you something they can't offer. I'll offer you something only I can offer. I'll offer you something that only God can offer. And that's the offer of the forgiveness of your sins, so that you can become a part of God's kingdom. And we'll pick up from here, tomorrow when we see Jesus' second I am statement so we've just ended the parenthetical part of John's Gospel now we're gonna pick up again with the part that is actually considered by most scholars to be an actual part of John's Gospel not just an addition so here's what you need to read in order to be prepared for that tomorrow you need to read 1 Samuel 29 through 31, John eleven fifty five through twelve nineteen, Psalm one hundred eighteen one through eighteen, and Proverbs fifteen twenty four through twenty six.